Greetings to you lot. Welcome to Red Voices. A pleasure to have you with us as always. Ewan and Rich here for the first half of this week's episode, casting a slightly concerned glance over a useful 2-0 win over Huddersfield and a worrisome stare at whatever the hell that was in Spain last night. Rich, do you have a suggestion for a topic of conversation that we can sub in to avoid discussing that Sevilla game? Um, no. <laughs> I, Great. I think it probably I think it probably needs discussing as 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 desperate as it as it was. That's true. I don't want to though. It was bad. Rather, a lot of United performances are having that that effect at the moment, aren't they? Although that that I thought that was a particular new low. Yes, and the worrisome thing is, I guess, is that new lows seem to be uh, appearing with something approaching frequency. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it feels like we're we're getting to levels at which United are expected to not turn up in bigger games uh, of some significance, and it's it's starting to get it, it. I mean, I guess it's been a pattern for parts of Mourinho's time in charge, but now it's really starting to become more the norm, and that's not great. I guess we'll start off with uh, what was, you know, in the end, a pretty. Useful win over Huddersfield on Saturday afternoon. Looking back at that game, I didn't really feel like there was much of a difference between this same fixture in October when we lost 2-1. The big difference just seemed to be the early goal, surely. I mean, Huddersfield, they pretty much carried out the same tactic, which was essentially trying to press us high at the pitch. And surprisingly enough, United just don't like being pressed. That is a very, very common theme that happened again against uh, Sevilla last night. Definitely happened on Saturday. But that early goal gave us so much space, essentially, to mess up that I guess in the end it didn't really matter too much. But amazing to see that Romelu Lukaku can score goals if he play the ball to his feet. Who knew? Yeah, I mean, Huddersfield Huddersfield played to that strength in in a way in that they generally play quite a high line. They committed players forward. But you know what, what have we what have we been saying about about Lukaku? since the beginning of time that you know you either need to get widening it get crosses into him or you need to be playing you near know, balls into his feet facing goal if you're just whacking balls up to him with his back to goal then you're just completely wasting him and that that was pretty much a demonstration of that two balls into feet behind the defense two goals two you know two very very good finishes in the in the, in the circumstances hmm. it was it was a strange it was a strange game and you know we we've spoken before about how even when United win games, it feels like we've almost kind of got away with it a lot of the time. And that was another one where we didn't play well, particularly the first half an hour was the goal aside was pretty abject. We couldn't keep the ball under pressure, defending incredibly deep and we're under a significant amount of pressure and the ball just wasn't sticking going forward. Things improved a little in the second half because Huddersfield had to open up to try and get that goal and that when they did that, and as they tired, then we were much better at exploiting the space and, and, and countering. But it just felt like another game where essentially the difference was Lukaku's two finishes, but a lot of the rest was extremely meh. Yeah, and I think in particular you're talking about the fact that there was more space to exploit in the second half. Apart from those two goals, a lot of those attacks came to nothing. You know, It wasn't like we were banging on the door to get a third or add to the scoreline, essentially. It felt like... It was a night for loose passes, essentially. The wrong decisions seemed to be made in the build-up to the attack quite frequently. And that was a bit concerning. You know, there was a lot of talk around Pogba not being in the squad for, you know, what Mourinho seemed to deem a surprise illness. And, you know, look at back in McTominay's performance after everyone seemed to struggle in that first period. And I think once the game started to settle down after the second 
you could see a little bit more control and confidence and calmness coming into the side, which was, you know, that was nice to see because Huddersfield unsettled United on numerous occasions, you know, in the, in the, the game back in October and did, uh, you know, they're doing similar things on at the weekend. So that was encouraging to see, I guess, manage that game. But at the same time, you do expect more. And, you know, we're going to be talking about Sevilla soon. That was a night when we certainly expected more. But in the context of the game itself, to get through in a against a team that we'd lost to several months previously, that's great news. That's very encouraging. And we've been given a pretty decent draw in the quarterfinals. Brighton at home, you would 100% expect United to win that game and go on to the semifinals. I don't really feel like there's a proper excuse for us not to get there now. No. Which is a, I'm worried about that now. Now I've said that out loud. Now I feel that's a problem. <laughs> Well, it'd be our own fault, wouldn't it? I, I think in in the context of City being out, Liverpool are out. Say that again for me, Rich. City City being out in in that that little game against their local rivals that very few people saw or commented on that City took very well indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and what was oh, Liverpool it was the being... funniest thing though because I didn't have an idea of what the scoreline was until it flashed up on my phone as an update, and I immediately yeah. chucked BBC One on to see what was going on because I hadn't been following it. And the saltiness, Rich. The saltiness could have filled a salt factory. It was magnificent. It was. But I tell you what, part part of me was really amused by the mask slipping. You know, Guardiola just was an arsehole. I don't particularly like Matthew Sides writing in the Times, but he wrote a piece about the following day about how Guardiola did a number of things that night that any other man or other managers, most notably Mourinho, would have been absolutely dragged over the coals for. But because he's... Guardiola and the, nothing was said. Mourinho got fined and that you know charged for stepping two inches onto a football pitch and kicking a bottle down the line. Whereas Guardiola clearly went over the line. But the, on the other hand, part of me thinks, you know what? I wish we hated losing that much, or I wish some of I wish some of our players hated losing that much because you know that's something we used to have to a degree. You know the absolute. You know, you just cannot take losing anything to avoid that losing, and when you do lose, it really, really impacts on you. And but I think part of the issue we've had over the last few years, apart from a lack of quality, has been that we've just settled into re- relative failure. So you know, on the one hand, it was incredibly hilarious, and on, on the other, there was just a little twinge of, well, not not envy, but you know, just looking at them thinking, you know, what I wish that I wish that was us kicking off like that because we lost the game. But anyway, City out with Liverpool having lost at home to the worst team in the Premier League, whose players steal taxis when they're pissed up and stuff. The draw, the draw has opened up a little bit, and as you say, none of the none of the better teams have been drawn together, so it looks at least probably like we'll end up playing somebody decent in this semi if we get past Brighton. But we've got. You know, we've got no excuses. We should be winning that game, whatever, whatever eleven we put out. My my only concern with that, I mean, it'd be really. It, we've mocked Arsenal remorselessly for for just winning the FA Cup and being, you know, not achieving anything else. It's clearly the only thing we're going to win this season, and we, we we could potentially win this season. So if we finish this season with a reasonable Premier League finish and the FA Cup, then at least we can come out of it and say, well, <clears throat> it's not been a great season, but. We, we've come out of it with something and there is some sign of progress. And I think in that regard, it's important and it's important that Mourinho takes it seriously from this point. Not that he hasn't taken it seriously before, but that he continues to, to put out teams that that can win the games we've, we've got left in the competition. Sure. Moving, I guess, I guess there's only a couple more things to say about the actual Huddersfield game. You know, Chris Smalling, after a bit of a shaky period and what was almost definitely a handball, 
Uh, had a pretty good game, you know, ripped to pieces. Uh, and in some quarters, quite rightly, for his performance against Newcastle, had a pretty good game against Huddersfield. Victor Lindelof came back in and had a, you know, after again, a quite shaky period and some proper Sunday league passing between him and Sergio Romero in the second half, which was amazing to watch. It's really difficult to be angry about it because it was just that bad. I thought he had a good game and yeah, he wasn't bad. Excellent yeah. to see that happen considering that obviously Phil Jones is injured now at the minute and I think Rocco's injured as well. So potentially Bailly coming back into the side, which is pretty timely because he is our best defender and we really could do with our best defender at the minute because Mourinho does not trust that side at the minute to leave that back four exposed at all. No. So it'll be interesting to see how that one pans out. But yes, moving swiftly on to Sevilla on Wednesday night. I'm not sure whether or not it's my fault. Maybe I shouldn't have expected United to really go for it, but I think partially because... I've got such a personal affection for the Champions League. It's been four years since United's last knockout time in the Champions League. It's been so long, relatively speaking, for this club. And I don't know. I expected more from United. I did expect us to try and contain Sevilla to a certain extent. But I honestly did not see that level of performance coming. It was so disjointed. We know that United have got problems when teams press us. But the lack of invention the jaggedness of the display the misplaced passes it was just so difficult to watch at times so we just didn't really seem to know what the plan was and it's not necessarily that we did such a great job defensively to keep Sevilla out we've got a we're very much indebted to De Gea for being the best keeper on the planet at the moment and the fact that Sevilla for the most part, were terrible with their finishing. You know, what was it? 21 shots. Several of them were pretty straightforward. And I think a friend I was watching it with last night described it as stat padding. Sometimes they would just shoot from distance just to try and work to Haya and just to mm. try and try and build a little bit of pressure. But by that same token, they worked far harder in attack than we did. And I was not prepared to see United sit back so deep in that tie. And the problem is now, having looked back at that result again, this just reminds me a lot of the Europa League semi-finals. It's last year in Celta Vigo. Won the first leg 1-0, got the second goal uh, from Fellaini in the second leg, and then sat back, conceded a goal, and we were one Manchester City reject away from getting knocked out and not getting to the final, and the whole season scuppered. The problem with that tactic last night, all right, Mourinho got the result that I'm fairly confident he was looking for, and then we'll go to Old Trafford and try and win the game. I guess it makes it quite simple for us. But that is a really, really fine margin for error. And United, in these bigger games under Mourinho, tend to have quite a stoic approach. And it's not necessarily the most overwhelmingly positive or attacking. And it does make me worried for that second leg in a couple of weeks, Rich, because I don't see us being able to grind out a 1-0 win. It's going to be two goals You need, you kind of, You see United needing a two-goal cushion in order to feel a degree of comfort. And Sevilla showed enough last night to suggest that they are not going to sit back and just absorb pressure in the in the home leg at Old Trafford. And it just sets it up to be unnecessarily tense. And I'm surprised we didn't go for it more. Is that Am I wrong? Should I have been a little bit less surprised? I'm not sure. I, uh, I read Henry Winter wrote, wrote a very good piece on it this morning. And he described the United approach and performance as borderline embarrassing. I think that's pretty much dead on. I mean, we've seen... How many uh, knockout rank ties have we had now? Have we had six? Or was it eight? I, I, I lose track with them doing doing two a week, but until the United game, every single away team had gone to whichever ground they were going to, 
and played positively and attacked. And we've seen City go to Barcelona and win 4-0. We've seen Liverpool go to Porto and win 5-0. We've seen Spurs basically dominate Juventus on their own pitch for 75 minutes of that game and, and be on the front foot. We went into that game with Sevilla and Sevilla are not a great team. You know, it's not an easy place to go by any means, but they are not a great team. And the approach, the approach, the application, the um, I'm slightly bemused as to what exactly we were trying to do because there was no rhyme or reason to anything we did apart from everybody just stood bar, bar Lukaku who was 50 yards ahead of the midfield. Everybody was just in two lines in front of our own penalty area. There was no shape to it. There was no no discernible. I don't know. I don't know what the tactic was. I don't know what we were trying to do. But the entire thing was just a mess. And we, you know, we came out of it with an okay result. It's no more than an okay result. Basically, by virtue of the fact that Sevilla can't shoot straight, and because De Gea made one of the most insane saves I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And and I thought I thought it was absolutely embarrassing. And I think there are people, you know, there are a lot of people now, you you can always tell when, in the cycle of, of a manager in recent years at United, when something's happened which has really pushed people past the point of, of being able to just brush it off and, and apply their blind faith. And there are an awful lot of people today on social media who had been, you know, very much part of the blind faith brigade, who are now saying, shit, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what we're doing. I don't know where we're going. Because at the moment, this team's getting worse. You can't just use the excuse that Mourinho inherited a poor squad. He signed eight players. The players that he bought are playing as poorly as anybody at the moment. It's not a case of just a case of lack of quality because we've got players with talent, but they're not performing either. Well, I guess one of the big decisions was, you know, that 4-3-3, that's a formation that plenty of us have been calling out for in a similar situation for some time. And that's made up for Pogba, right? And of course, Pogba wasn't starting. Now, whether or not that was to do with Mourinho not wanting to chuck him straight into the side, having not played against Huddersfield, I'm not sure. But it clearly didn't work very well. And there was clearly some sort of problem between United, you know, the manager and the medical staff because Mourinho wanted to point out that Herrera wasn't 100% fit because he pulled up. And I guess if he really wanted to criticise Pogba for that, you could say that he didn't necessarily have the most profound effect on the team's performance and his personal performance wasn't that great either but then again he really wasn't the only one you know no one really shone you know we're talking about the contrast in in the actual the two two games we were playing the ball to the Kaku's feet and he looked much more involved and much more capable in that situation in that game last night against Sevilla we were chucking long balls up to him so frequently anytime he got the ball there was no real attempt to build anything up and when we did, we didn't get anywhere with it on the very oh. few occasions that we actually stopped, slowed the game down and tried to get a foothold and try and build some possession. I think the only real good chance you could say, and it was a half chance at best considering that it's a very difficult skill, I think it was Alexis chipping over and Lukaku almost RVP style against Aston Villa having it on the on the volley first time. And it's, again, very, very difficult goal to score, but... That's really as good as it got in front of goal for the entire game. And that's concerning. You know, we allowed Sevilla a good start, tried to come into the game a little bit more, got a little bit more possession. And that save from, what was it, Muriel in, in the first half was absolutely magnificent. They looked a nail on goal. Smalling lost his man for that. And there were several other instances where Valencia was just allowing his man to drift inside and get shots off. And it just, it just didn't seem to be enough protection of De Gea. And I guess it was similar to the Arsenal game in the sense that 
the home team are allowed to attack and then you're hoping that United are going to offer a little bit more up front and on the break. But again, we just didn't seem capable of getting anything away. Maybe that was down to the team selection. I'm not sure why in a team that was set up 4-3-3 with some sort of counter-attacking prerogative, why might have started ahead of Martial or Rashford at this stage? That just didn't make any sense to me. I'm with you on the sense that I'm not sure there are many good explanations for some of these decisions at the moment. And it was just such a damp squib of a game, wasn't it? Why was Shaw dropped again? You know, the one thing about Shaw, I, I thought he played quite well at Huddersfield, is he's actually pretty good on the ball. I don't think he's any worse of a defender than Ashley Young is, but he's actually quite technically strong. And we needed the fullbacks to get forward to, to help the front three and to, to create better width. And it, it made no sense to me to play a guy, Ashley Young, who hasn't been playing well ahead of a naturally left-footed guy who has been playing well and is quite dangerous going forward. Throughout the team, you know, I think bringing in Sanchez, in principle, was a good idea. But by just chucking him on the left wing, basically just sidelining Martial completely, who was probably our best-performing attacking player at that point, it seems to have completely unbalanced the team. There doesn't seem to be any structure or shape to it. I mean, so much of the focus has been on Pogba. And clearly Mourinho's decided that Pogba, you know, he is his fall guy for, for all of this. Yeah, exactly. The reality is that, that Matic is playing really, really badly. He's misplacing key passes. I mean, even simple passes constantly lately. You know, the guy plays every week. He's played, we've known he's been injured. He plays every week, whether he's tired, Matic plays. And he's playing no better than Pogba. And there are four or five other players who, I mean, last night, genuinely, De Gea was absolutely excellent. McTominay was our best player by virtue of the fact that he tried really hard and was adequate. He got got about the pitch, he made tackles, he was committed, he was, you know, he was tactically aware, he held his position and he and he played the simple pass. That was enough for McTominay to be our best player, out, outfield player. And he didn't even he didn't do anything special, he just did basics. The team looks completely lost and it's unquestionably regressed in the last few weeks, quite alarmingly. And that performance, to me, it looked like an LVG performance, but with better, but with more talented players. Hmm. I mean, Rashford came on for ten or fifteen minutes at the end. He looks lost. You know, he just he just ran the ball. He ran the ball out of play once. He 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 was just knocking it past players, and then you know, not just not getting past them. Rashford looks lost. All of our forwards look absolutely lost. So you think they look lost? Just to confirm, I, 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 shall I say it again? I think they maybe look lost. I, I think the entire, I yeah. think well, the entire team looks lost. I don't think they really know. I don't think they really know what they're supposed to be doing. Any of them. We have got a team of bought two midfielders. We've bought a striker. We've bought a left winger. We've bought a new centre back who is supposedly bought for his ability on the ball. We bought. We've bought a new spine of the team. And despite the fact that we bought all those players, none of them seem capable of keep, of keeping hold of a football and passing it under pressure. And that's not just down to what Mourinho inherited. That's down to either Mourinho signing wrong players or Mourinho not capable of getting performance out of talented players. Hmm. And either way, that's a concern. It's a massive it? concern. And the point is, you know, Mourinho, yeah. Mourinho is a tiresome bore a lot of the time. But if, 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 <laughs> you know, Fergie was as well at times, but Fergie won. If your manager's a tiresome bore, an arrogant Tyson ball and he wins games. You don't mind because because you you accept that's part that eccentricity and that ego is part of what makes him successful. But if your if your manager is an is a egomaniac bore and his his team is shit, then that doesn't rub, you know. And, and 
him going to war with his biggest signing and one of our top best players when numerous other players aren't performing either it just feels like we're at a pivotal moment we've got a really big month we've got Chelsea at home which I think is more important than the severe ties because I genuinely think we're in a battle for fourth place to get in that top four and if we if we beat Chelsea on Saturday then I think we've really given ourselves a cushion and really given them a blow to to their chances of catching up but if we lose that game we are deeply in the shit we've got Liverpool to come in a couple of weeks after that Christ they are capable of giving us an absolute spanking at at Old Trafford, the way they're playing and the way the way we're playing, and obviously with the, with the second leg of the Sevilla tie and the Palace game in between this this month, I think Mourinho's at a point. We're at a point where, depending on how the next month or two goes, he will either stabilise things or he will just burn everything down because that's that's the point that he's at. He's falling out with his best player. The players don't look to appear to know really what is being asked of them or they're not capable of, at the moment of carrying it out. The side looks a bit lost, and Mourinho looks like he's set to just blow everything up if, if it doesn't go his way. The only thing you can say about that game is that if we are able to get a positive result, no. win the game in the second leg at home, which we are completely capable of doing, then Mourinho will think it would have paid off. And that would be I would be happy to get through to the quarterfinals by hook or crook, but it doesn't need to be like this. And given our best strength is our attack and the players that we have up front I am now not nearly as convinced that we that Mourinho has actually got another level to take us and that's a concern anyway that'll do it for a slightly moribund uh, first half of the pod let's uh, nip over to the second half and see how things went against Chelsea Well, that was miles better, wasn't it? Joined tonight by our good friend Phil Wilson, who was last on this fair podcast two years ago, also to discuss another tight game against Chelsea, this time with a bit more of a positive result. Uh, Phil, after Wednesday night's uh, game against Sevilla, it's fair to say things were a little bit negative and a lot of us didn't come into the game tonight with much in the way of positivity. Tough old game, but United were fairly good value for that win in the end, weren't they? I think so, yeah. Um, just... Want to say hey, Ewan? How you doing? Um, <laughs> I'm good, man. We've been talking for half an hour trying to get you ready, but don't worry yeah. about that. Let, no. for, for radio appearances, I'm doing well. How are you? Good stuff, man. Yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, enjoyed the game today. It did have me a bit worried for a while, but um, my God, it's good to see United back winning from behind, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, that is only the fifth time I saw uh, on Twitter that that's happened during the Mourinho era. Five times, and we have played a lot of games since then. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess the most satisfying aspects, thinking back to how the game flowed, because we did start quite slowly, really, didn't we? It was that sense that we had actually seemingly overcome ourselves for once. You know, Chelsea were no slouches in that game. I thought William was excellent. But for once, we kind of took on the other team's form and their performance and actually responded and reacted to it for once and came from behind. It's just not something that we've really been known to do in the Bruno. So that was a really encouraging aspect for me. What about you? Yeah, um, I mean, it it almost seemed like it was going to go into one of those familiar games, the first kind of 35 minutes. I, I remember reading a while ago, Mourinho said he thinks it's more dangerous to be the team with the ball than the team without the ball. He, he almost lived and died by that in that game for the first while. Um, you know, the, the only chances we were getting was on counter-attacks. Whenever we actually had the ball, we were just doing a lot of passing about, not really looking for anything. 
banging it out to the fullback who was sending stupid aimless cross. But once they scored, and they, you know, obviously they scored through a counter attack themselves, they just did it a lot better than us. And um, it did seem to wake us up, and it was quite telling. I thought that the first goal came from playing through the middle, which we hadn't really done all game up to that point. Or ever. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess the frustrating thing about William's goal, I mean, I guess there was four or five frustrating things about William's goal, but it came at the end of a period in which United had sort of got themselves back into the game. You know, Chelsea's intentions were clear from the off. You know, Morata hit the crossbar with probably his best moment of the game very early on. We were lucky to escape there for sure. But having, you know, endured a slightly worrying 20 minutes or so, in which United were, much as they were in Spain, struggling to keep hold of the ball, looking a bit aimless in attack, and there wasn't really much shape to what we were doing. Shocking, I know. <laughs> uh, we did come back into it. You know, Martial with that really useful run, great layup for Sanchez, and I still don't know why he didn't take it first time, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily look like a man deeply in a, a rich vein of confidence at the moment. So the extra touch and then the slightly scuffed shot, you know, pretty easy with Courtois together. And then giving away that goal from the corner, all right, Let's talk about the many different ways that was bad. Poor corner. Pogba didn't really seem to go up for the header and let Moses get the ball away. You know, Lindelof did his best with Hazard and then McTominay just allowed Willian to basically ghost along him and didn't keep with his man. Lindelof's face was an absolute picture <laughs> when the ball was played through and there was no one on the man beyond, wasn't it? It was amazing. <laughs> that was shocking. And man. then you really expect Dave to not get beat as near post like that, despite how powerful the shot was. Yeah, I mean, I'd be re- too re- reluctant to be too hard on De Gea, to be honest, um, because I'm sure he's sick to the back teeth of seeing players come through clean on goal and him having to bail <laughs> us out. So, you know, yeah, um, fair enough. I think that, fair enough, it was his near post, but it's, uh, you know, it's a powerful shot and I think we'll probably let him away with that one. But yeah, the, the lack of tracking for Willian's run was schoolboy stuff. It was painful to watch in the replays, to be honest, because McTominay did seem to track him, and then he seemed to switch off at the key point, and there was two of them running in behind, with only Valencia there to try and do anything, but there wasn't anything to do at that point, really. True, but I guess you know the really encouraging aspect after that was that United didn't sort of collapse inwardly on themselves like a dying star. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true for United as a whole, but also for McTominay. I thought he recovered from that mistake really well. Um, I think he's a, you know, we've obviously seen him play quite a lot recently, um, and I, I like his attitude. He's confident. He's always looking for the ball, looking to get involved. Um, and a lot of youngsters could have let that mistake, you know, really affect them, but he didn't. And in the second half, he was fantastic. No, I agree. I, I think that was probably his most impressive performance to date, you know, and especially after that error for the goal, which just, it, again, as you said there, looking at the replays, didn't look any better. It didn't get any better on repeated viewings either. No. It was, it was noticeable today that he was trying more, you know, that he was actually looking to pass forward more. And, I think Mourinho might have made a pretty clear point in the sense that, you know, the only thing he's not doing at the minute is scoring goals, but that's because of the role that I'm asking him to play. Well, you know, then you start thinking, is McTominay's role essentially to play the short, sharp passes and then try and clean up possession? Because, 
you know, if Mourinho is saying that he's not expecting him to score goals, is that also shaping how he's asking McTominay to play in terms of an attacking presence? Because he certainly wasn't doing many of those forward passes for the last couple of weeks anyway. You know, it was noticeable. He was certainly trying that more. And that was impressive. But Matic as well, you know, I think we really need to give some credit to him. You know, we'll get to the goals in a little while. But I thought that that was probably Matic's best game on the whole for some time for United. You know, the... I didn't necessarily think he played that badly in the first half because I think he was actually looking to bite into challenges more, which clearly means that we should just play Chelsea every week <laughs> because that's the only time he's going to really bother. But yeah, I mean, what did you think of Matic tonight? Um, I thought he, he had a few shaky moments early on, um, but again, yeah, second half, it he, he was brilliant. He was, like you say, he was getting stuck in the challenges more and he seemed hungry to win it um, and his passing was pretty good going forward as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was encouraging to see, you know, because the passing has been one of the big problems, isn't it? We've just been seeding, you know, just hemorrhaging the ball seemingly any time any pressure has been placed on us. So it was nice to see us actually be a little bit more decisive with the ball and not so wasteful. And, you know, for a man who a lot of the narrative has been around, can he deliver in the big games? Can he really deliver against the top clubs? Admittedly, he still hasn't scored against a top four club because Chelsea were in fifth at the start of the play. <laughs> That's but harsh, man. That's man of harsh. the match. Yeah, I know. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Romelu Lukaku with an excellent performance today. Tell me about the goal. What did you reckon of it? Oh, man. It, it was so good to see that kind of football being played. Um, and you could just tell the three of them involved were absolutely loving it. You know, Sanchez and Martial with a bit of Great link up. First of all, sorry, I should say Lukaku showed a lot of hunger and trying to get the ball back because he, he didn't have it. You know, it's bouncing about and he had to fight to win it. And um, but then he laid it off and some nice interplay, and then it landed to him in the box. Um, and his first touch set him up beautifully. Just for, I say easy finish, but you know it, was, it still takes a lot of skill to open his body up and left foot at the end of the corner where the keeper didn't have a chance of getting it. You know, it was calm, it was assured, it's what you want to see from your big man in the big games. Absolutely. No, I thought that that was pound for pound one of his best performances for United in terms of what he was doing. You know, the, the, the enduring image, as good as the goal was, is of him battling the Chelsea defence, running down the clock in stoppage time and just blitzing past him. What, the 91st second minute? Oh, yeah. Absolutely excellent. And the shot got blocked, but you could just see the effort there. Did we necessarily buy Romelu Lukaku to do those things? Did we necessarily buy him to set up Jesse Lingard for the winning goal? No, but he's providing more than we expected, and it's excellent. And the cross for that goal was an absolute peach, wasn't it? Oh, it was, it was great. And it was, it was so frustrating because early on, the crossing had been pretty terrible. There was a lot of crosses going in, and I haven't seen the stats, but I'd say the cross completion for the first half anyway would have been made pretty grim reading. Um, but it was it was funny whenever Lukaku got the ball, um, I was actually thinking, you know, he's probably one of the best crossers we have at the minute because there, I know he set up someone else a few months ago. I can't remember exactly what game it was, but he set someone up with a cross. And I remember us saying then, you know, that's the kind of deliveries that he would be looking for, and he'd be gobbling them up. But the the one he played for Lingard, it was great. It was just low with um, precision and, you know, the power was on it. Lingard just had to find the spot and he did. Yeah, I mean, that was the, <laughs> the funny thing about that was when I was watching that exact moment play out, I was just thinking, that's not where you want Lukaku to be. You don't want to see him pushed <laughs> out out wide because if he's doing that and if he crosses the ball and then who's there to get on the end of it? Yeah. <laughs> Which is just superb. Whenever the cross is so good, um, and Lingard gets a lot of praise about his off the ball movement anyway. But when the cross is so good, you don't need someone that's six foot tall to get the header in. But when we have someone that's six foot plus, if you give him good delivery, just think what he could do. 
Yeah, I mean, to be fair, if Lukaku was crossing to himself, imagine the good he could do. <laughs> because, <laughs> good God, only. it's not going to come from one of our corners because there is something about playing for Manchester United football clubs that means you take a shit corner. Oh, man. Even Sanchez, is, he couldn't beat the first man from his corners. Like it was. He's been struck by the curse. It is a curse, man. It really is. I remember even um, before we signed Ashley Young, everyone rather than raved about his set-piece delivery and his free kicks and his corners. And, man, I don't know what they were watching or who they were watching. <laughs> it wasn't the guy we got anyway. Uh, no, I mean, pretty good at free kicks every now and then. He just scored that absolute banger against Watford. Yep. But that, those are moments few and far between over the course of several years of absolute shock, which is why when that actually happened against Watford at Vicarage Road, we all stood at each other and looked shocked. Yep. <laughs> but there we go. <laughs> but yeah, um, let's see. Goal coming as it did with roughly sort of 16, 17 minutes left. The, I guess the weird thing about that was, you know, considering how good William was playing and how much more space there was in that second half in particular for Chelsea to exploit. I guess it was quite interesting that Conte and Chelsea seemed to settle for the draw. You know, Hazard had come off the pitch before we got the second goal. And then seemingly once that had happened, then Chelsea had to respond. You know, they brought Giroud on, Fabregas came on as well, and they couldn't really muster too much. You know, there was that uh, Morata shot that was actually very nicely placed into the bottom corner of the net but was judged to be marginally offside. I'm not going to shed too many tears over that. Um, I don't think we rode our luck too much, but I guess there's always this fear with Mourinho. If we go a one goal up late on, there's just no confidence in us actually killing the game off, is there? It wasn't necessarily too much of a squeaky bum time experience, but it got a little close, didn't it? Especially when Courtois came up right at the death. It did a little, especially because... Um... Right before that, we you know we had a free kick in their half, and we we should have just played it out into the corner, but we gave it away, um, and they went down the other end, won a corner. If something had happened from that, there, you know, there would have been a few people in a bit of trouble once they got back to the dressing room, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, they they didn't give us too much trouble, other than like you say, the offside goal as it was ruled. Um, but. Yeah, like you alluded to, we've seen enough of them not go our way against Chelsea over the years. Um, pretty key ones, <laughs> I seem to remember as well. Um, so yeah, we'll... I think we see enough experiences with Martin Atkinson refereeing <laughs> go against us to you know shed too many tears for that particular incident. Yeah, we'll let that one go. Yeah, that's, I think that's nice of us. That's pretty fair, I'd say. <laughs> I mean, there there was one thing I guess was there was a few ropey moments from De Gea when the sun was in his eyes, uncharacteristic and unexpected um, but luckily we, we weren't made to pay for that so there was, there was one point obviously the one where he let the rebound fall out and Valencia came in and cleared it but there was one where he never fumbled into his own net so we're going to just be thankful he, he didn't let them properly go wrong <laughs> yeah I think Andy Mitten tweeted earlier on today from United We Stand he said he sat in that area of the East Stand for 20 years or something and when it's sunny, which it really is, it can be quite difficult to see what's going on. Yeah. So I guess in the second half, you could say that was a bit of an issue, but I think that was just an off day for an off day for Dave, which is a bit a massive, massive rarity. And considering the amount of times he's saved us over the last four, five years, I think he he can have an off day. And I'm glad that Lukaku and Lingard made up for it because that was not Dave's best performance. No, of course, um, you know we're not going to hold it against him, but. Other than that, I didn't think Chelsea were threatening too much. 
No, no, I think it's interesting seeing how things played out, I guess, over the course of the last week with the Champions League times, because Chelsea, for the most part, apart from that one mistake that allowed Messi to score at Stamford Bridge, they did a really good number on Barcelona, and it kind of belied this sense that Chelsea with Conte at the moment are imploding and really struggling. And there wasn't necessarily that same fire, although it's difficult to replicate that level of intensity, you know, two times in the space of, what, four or five days. And for United's perspective, that was, especially the second half, just far much more involved and with a team that was far more interested in what it was doing than the one that played in Spain on Wednesday. So you know, there were only, I think, what the only real change from the lineup was uh, Martial coming in for Mata. You know, obviously Herrera was starting against uh, Sevilla and then Pogba came in to that. So basically those just two changes. I don't necessarily know if that's enough of an explanation as to why the performance was just markedly better, but it certainly was. But again, the the real encouraging aspect was that United responded to going behind and they did it while sticking to Mourinho's blueprint, which is something that the teams really struggle with. And that's not saying that Mourinho's blueprint and tactics have always been spot on, but at least it was nice to see Mourinho set his team out, stick to that setup essentially and get the result. Yeah, that's very true because he didn't make any changes really to, you know, the change the course of the game but they just kind of stuck at it and for once bounced back. You know, there's been too many times where we set up this sort of negative play where we've then gone behind and, you know, you just don't see where the goal's coming from because it's, it's kind of like he's, he's almost planned for a nil-nil or nicking a, a one-goal lead and once he doesn't score first, then the players don't seem to know what to do a lot of the time. But I think there's, there's a few guys today that just kind of grab the game by the scruff of the neck, which is what you want to see. Um, and just kind of wrestled it back. And one thing I, I wanted to mention, actually, after Chelsea scored, um, I think Pogba looked a bit shaken. You know, he was doing a few stupid things. He seemed to be getting frustrated. Um, I was a bit worried he might go off the boil a bit. But once we got a goal back, that seemed to settle him down a bit. And I thought from when we equalised to the end of the game, he had a very good game. He, he did seem to control things. And it was great seeing him linking up with uh, Sanchez, Lukaku and Martial. Um, and we started to look really dangerous then, I thought. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Really encouraging pretty much across the board, apart from a couple of bits and bobs there. I guess it's nice now that we've got this week off now before we play Palace, I think it is, to just sort of decompress after <laughs> three games in three pretty big competitions for us because, you know, it is the race for staying in the top four in the league. We've got a really good chance of getting some silverware with the FA Cup considering how that's drawn up mm. and opened out for us. And, you know, whilst I'm not necessarily sure the Champions League is Mourinho's priority this season, we could really do with putting in a good showing in it, even if we might not necessarily get too much further into the competition beyond the quarterfinals. Obviously, I'd love us to, but realistically, you know, you can. it's difficult to see this United side getting to the final at this stage, much less winning it. So, yes, certainly good to see us respond to that big game as well, even if it was at home and we typically have done better at home against the top clubs as opposed to away. Yeah, a really encouraging afternoon's work. Not necessarily as surprising as it was a year ago when we just sort of, well, not necessarily played Chelsea off the park, but basically batted them away and scored two good goals. Yeah. But yeah, a really encouraging afternoon's work. Let's uh, round off with Twitter questions. Uh, our friend James at writtenoff underscore MUFC has got an absolute doozy. You ready for this one? <laughs> go for it. If United miss out on top four, should Mourinho go? Oh. God damn it, James. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's an absolute doozy. I mean, we're not, I'm not necessarily sure we're there yet, Phil, are we? I mean, I guess 
this is maybe something to look at in a month's time if results have taken a complete turn for the worse. And there is the Liverpool game coming up, which is going to be quite pivotal, considering that at the minute we're swapping second place with them, essentially, if we both keep winning. Yeah, there's a lot to happen between now and the end of the season. And I think should we miss out on top four, a lot would depend on how it went down. You know, if it could very well implode the rest of the season or... We could just be in a battle and miss out narrowly and we could have an FA Cup. You know, it's it's all about context. I think it's probably far too early to say. But having said that, the last two guys that missed out in the Champions League went straight away and that was the excuse that was used. So, um, you know, I think Mourinho, if he does miss out in the Champions League, would have to have something to show for it, um, you know, to, to kind of stave off that talk. Yeah, I mean, just to, you know, feed James the drama that he so clearly wants, <laughs> if it did get to that top four, if it came to United missing out on the top four, then I don't necessarily know if uh, Woodward has got, for want of a better term, the cojones to fire Jose if he wins something, you know, else. Yep. If he wins the FA Cup, for instance, then I'm not necessarily sure he'd be desperate to get rid of him because I think there's been enough maybe not enough but there's been some signs of positivity and some signs of progress and we are still at the moment a better side than we were under Moyes yeah. or Van Hal, or perhaps Moyes and Van Hal combined <laughs> so that's something I guess it depends how far we got into the Champions League as well if we got to the quarters or the semis and missed out then that might change the picture as well yeah but as you said I think we're a little bit we're a couple of weeks at least of a poor run of results away from that and I think hopefully the Chelsea game can be a bit of a springboard to better things. Uh, let's see. We have got at this time, Shirley, who asks, uh, Liverpool play expansively and still lose less games than us. What is the justification of us always playing so pragmatically? Uh, well, That's good, it's, it? it is. I mean, you know, Liverpool are in a, a good run of form at the minute, um, but it's taken them a while to get there. They've lost less than us, but I think both of them have their pros and their cons. People rant and rave about Liverpool whenever they're doing well, but they've lost a few stupid games and dropped points here and there. Mourinho has obviously lost a few high-profile games that have also been tough to watch, which I think that kind of doubles up. And you know that whenever you're losing games and it's not even exciting to watch and there's not much of a fight, that tends to draw criticism more than if you're playing expansive and dropping points against stupid teams. For the most part, we haven't been doing that this season. You know, Newcastle was kind of a worrying one, but for the most part, we've been doing well against the small teams. And it's this extra pra pragmatic approach in the big games hasn't been paying off. But you know, we, we won today, so it's hard to dwell on that too much at the minute. Here's an interesting thought to round off the night. Uh, from the car, uh, about Lukaku, not from Lukaku, because obviously he hasn't listened to us. That would have been pretty uh, cool. <laughs> that would have been great. But, uh, <laughs> oh, uh, by Stephen the way. Hyman, uh, notes. Thing of Lukaku is that I don't see how we will ever play free-flowing football with him. He's far from that type of player. Where our boy Jethrididi asks, uh, can we finally start to accept we have a very good number nine at our club? What must he do to get more praise? Where do you sort of sit with Lukaku? Do you sit somewhere in the middle? Are you more with our boy Teddy or more with our boy Steven? Um, I would lie more with the latter, to be honest. I think Lukaku's got a lot of... Obviously, he's got room to improve. But it's his first season at a big club where he's been the main man. I think he's got a lot of criticism, especially in the big games. But really, our tactics haven't helped him at all. Um, there's been a few stinkers that he's had in the big games as well. But like, take Arsenal, for example, or today. Obviously, he didn't score against Arsenal, but I thought he had a big part to play. And a few of the goals, um, and today, you know, he really made the difference. So 
Lukaku, I'm not convinced he'll ever be top, top, top striker, Van Nistelrooy, Van Persie kind of style for United. But I could see him going on a cool level. And if we have good players around him, um, I'd be very happy with that because Andy Cole was a very successful striker for Man United. You think so? <laughs> Just a bit. Yeah, man. I wouldn't say no to that at all. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess after the negativity of midweek, of which I spoke at length with Rich about, it's quite nice to end the week on something of a positive note. Phil, thanks very much for joining me tonight, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure to be here. No, man, any time. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, you can get us all over Twitter. You can get Rich at, at RichardCan76. You can get Phil at, at Philmatic underscore. You can get me at, at Ewan Lennitz. And you can get the pod at, at Red Voices MUFC and the blog at www.redvoices.net. We'll be back at some point next week, so make sure you take care of yourselves. Good night. Good night.